Hello, and welcome to Rethinking Legal Ops, a podcast by Speed Legal. I'm Ashwari Saxena, and here we talk to legal experts, industry leaders, and innovators about the many ways that legal tech is transforming the way we practice law. Hi, Tofik. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today for uh, today's episode of Rethinking Legal Ops. Uh, Tofik, our speaker, we're uh, really grateful to have you here. Uh, I'll begin by introducing myself, and then Tofik, if you could uh, share a few words about you know yourself and your work. Uh, we're all very, very curious to know about your work, especially your uh, MetaWorks law firm. It's just so futuristic and so interesting. Uh, so really looking forward to learning more about that. Uh, but my name is Ashwarya. I'm the head of legal at Speed Legal. We are a San Francisco-based company. We use uh, artificial intelligence and natural language processing to uh, be able to pick out and extract the key information from uh, from contracts um, and also at the same time compare them to standard contracts to flag any potential risks uh, and do that sort of analysis so that uh, lawyers and contract reviewers' works could be um, expedited and made much faster from having to spend hours to uh, minutes. And we're very passionate about connecting more with the legal tech community and learning about the awesome opportunities there are for uh, collaboration and innovation in the legal industry, uh, transforming the future of law. Uh, Tofik, do you want to jump in and talk about yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining us today. My name is Tufik. I'm uh, the managing director of a uh, boutique law firm in Canada called Reno & Co. Uh, we primarily work with uh, emerging tech and blockchain-based startups and uh, medium, uh, medium-sized enterprises. Um, we, uh, we've been kind of forced, I guess, by our client base is extremely technologically advanced and uh, and demands quite heavily you know of their service providers to be innovative and and forward thinking for us to also be forward thinking as well so we've developed um you know, a fairly tech advanced law firm that uses kind of the best tools um, not only externally but internally uh to be able to kind of service clients and and run a more operationally efficient law firm that's awesome. Thank you so much, Atik. And again, um, really uh, excited to learn more about uh, how you, you know, run your law firm so efficiently, and also kind of you know try to see like how it all fits into this like future of practicing law, uh, which I think is being shaped in in the current decade that that we're we're in. Um, so. In, in rethinking legal ops, we try to have conversations around this type of stuff about, you know, what are like uh, some of like the newest things in uh, legal tech, what is the role of AI um, in reshaping, you know, how we think about it and how we practice law. But I'll, um, I'll just start, you know, with something I've been mentioning. Tofie, can you talk a bit more about how, um, how a law firm can exist in, in, in the metaverse? Uh, what are the, the operational functionalities of it? And, just what is it like? Yeah, so a law firm can exist in, well, maybe let me backtrack. You know, we're existing in the metaverse right now, right? You know, we're all actually communicating on a platform that allows for the sharing of multiple streams of audio and visual connection, 
Um, this is not reality. I'm sitting here in sunny Bermuda, and you're sitting wherever the hell you are, and we're having a conversation, uh, and I get to see you, and you get to see me. This is not. This is this is a form of metaverse, um, a limited one at that. So, what is the, what is a law firm's role in the metaverse? What are what are you doing in the metaverse? Well, you're essentially doing what we're doing here. You're communicating, you're interacting, and you're. But the only difference is is that you're creating uh, more information points that can be exchanged um, through through the peer-to-peer interactions that exist uh, on the metaverse. Um, so, you know, we have a couple of our uh, meetings in the metaverse uh, as a law firm, which have been really fun. It's still quite, uh, you know, quite new. So the, the functionalities have not yet been expanded quite, quite, uh, quite increasingly. But, you know, you could see the potential there where, you know, you could start actually having virtual meetings that resemble much more physical meetings and all the nice things that you like about physical meetings, you may be able to get in a virtual environment. Um, again, this is no different than what we're doing now. You know, before we used to do you know, conference calls and those were a form of meetings that had no, no visual now we have visuals and we can now share links and posts and stuff like that, increasing the amount of information points. And here we're just increasing that one step further. Um, having a metaverse office is cool. I like it. We got to design it. We designed it like a regular office because a regular office is also cool. Uh, we made sure that we had kombucha on tap, which is uh, a request from all our lawyers. So we got that. And one of our lawyers actually runs an nft gallery um so she was able to actually curate our 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 office um in uh and uh it, it looks you know it hasn't been completed yet the 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 the, the renos maybe i should call it renos haven't been completed yet so uh but we were looking at the schematics the other day so um looks really nice i would say you know pass by the tokens.com tokens.com tower in decentraland to check it out and uh and yeah and check out our artwork that's that's awesome it sounds really exciting and what is usually when you meet potential clients um and and you tell them that you know you 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 have like an office in the metaverse and you know like you're doing this what, what is usually um you know what what are the kind of um feedback or like reactions that you've gotten very curious about that yeah so from clients a lot of them say that's awesome. Um, I think for us, one of our principles at our firm is 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 learning by doing, um, and it's extremely important for digital assets to be able to actually kind of get in there and figure it out yourself. I find it disingenuous for lawyers to be um, working in 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 certain you know highly technical fields without actually getting you know, their feet in it a little bit, right? You know, your tech lawyer, it's not that you necessarily have to understand how to code or you have to understand, um, you know, how to run an application or whatnot. But, you know, do you know, you know, do you know the different languages? Do you know what they do? Do you know the different ways in which you can upload? 
or things on GitHub? Do you, do you know the different softwares that are able to apply certain code? You know, are you able to even, you know, interact with some of these low-code or no-code uh, platforms? Um, you know, through these first-hand experiences, I think you're able to actually create a more, uh, you know, robust legal services because you're kind of living the client's experience a little. And I think it's disingenuous for lawyers um, not to be able to do that, especially in highly technical fields. Um Maybe in something a little less technical, uh, you know, don't go get a divorce from your from your spouses just so you know how it feels to get a divorce and be a better divorce lawyer. Maybe if you're committed to your practice that much, uh, go go ahead and, and, and get a divorce. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it will definitely add to add to your 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 practice strengths there. You know, I'll bet. In certain situations, it may be hard to do it, like in personal injury or, or divorce or whatnot. But in certain situations like ours where it's it's high-tech and, and low personal cost for you to do it, then I think it's a good idea to do it. Um, lawyers have usually kind of looked at me fairly funny when I talk to them about the metaverse office. I think, you know, it's, it's natural for a lawyer's reflex to be like, well, have you thought about this? Well, have you thought about that? did you consider this what did you consider that or well, what about this what about that and you know so i get i got a lot of those questions from other from my colleagues uh in other firms which is fine as well right yeah and you made a really um important point there it's like you know learning by doing and how um a lot of these changes you know like are already happening you know like um, artificial intelligence legal tech is very much integrating into how how we practice uh, practice law um i want to uh, and and of course you know like lawyers do tend to you know um you know be a little bit worse sometimes and it's very very relevant for us to be able to understand different types of technologies that we work with uh or have have that sort of insight into it um i want to hear more of your thoughts on in how many ways do you see artificial intelligence and like legal tech innovation um, already changing, um, you know, the, the global legal industry. And, and you're part of, you know, like driving that change, of course, but uh, what are some of the other ways? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think everything that can be done to streamline and process the, the, the way in which services are given is a positive thing. Um, again, there's a lot of you know, fear and fear-based conversations in the legal community around AI, legal tech, etc. I, you know, I think a lot of those fear-based conversations are being happen, you know, are happening over email, which is also a technological innovation. You know, at a certain point, uh, I'm sure. I don't, you know, I'm not privy to the debates, but I'm sure that. When, uh, when emails started getting introduced as a method of communication, I'm sure there's a lot of law firms that didn't want to do it and wanted to still have handwritten letters uh, sent out through mail. And I'm sure it was the same thing when the telephone came about and other types of innovations that we've had, like the facts. Um, so history repeats itself. But at the end of the day, you know, email, fax, and telephone are ubiquitous. At least they were. I hope no one's faxing anything these days, uh, but uh, but uh, it's it, it's something that I think is cyclical, and I think we have to embrace. 
The difference maybe today is that the changes are going to be, you know, fairly drastic, um, potentially over the long run. But I, I still think think of it as something that is extremely uh, cyclical that's happened many times and that the legal industry has had to evolve and pick up these new technologies to be able to actually, um, um, you know, service their clients better. On on the method in which it's going to happen, I think we're going to see a, a bifurcation in the legal industry where you're going to have um, essentially low value, highly automatable work being completely automated and experiencing a race to the bottom with respect to prices. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, your incorporations, your, you know, your, your, your terms of service, employment agreements, um, maybe shareholders agreements in some cases. Um, you know, you're going to see a big race to the bottom there. You're going to see a race to the bottom as well, potentially with legal research where the necessity to be able to produce a memo and do, you know, two, three hours of research now with, with, with very strong AI databases that exist for legal research, um, you know, creating that activity essentially. Um, that's on one end. On the second end of the bifurcation is that you're going to have lawyers that are, are, are the lawyer's role is going to be one that deals with extremely complex problem-solving challenges, relationship and client management, and being almost a, a hub of, 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 of connections, referrals, and value-add. Um, so what does that mean for, for you as a practitioner? Well, I think, you know, first things first is to, you know, really practice on your client and file and relationship management skills. Because a lot of what you may be doing is, is, is project managing and client and relationship managing more than actual legal work. And then when it actually comes to the legal work, you know, I think, I think developing an extremely intense um, focus in a particular area where, you know, you kind of are able to solve the most complex problems. Um, is going to be where the value add is going to be in the long run. You know, for us at our firm, you know, I started practicing in blockchain in 2017 and I've done almost 90% of my clients since 2017 till today have been in blockchain. So though many people say, yeah, they've been practicing in blockchain a little longer than I have. Um, I don't know if many people have been practicing in that intensity. Uh, so that renders our ability in our firm to be the, the, the firm that, you know, has the deep, deep knowledge base and understanding to be able to solve the complex problems that blockchain digital asset companies are experiencing at this time. You know, that is our value add and that is, you know, what we do the best. And that comes from the fact that, you know, we've been practicing in the space you know, exclusively for five years, we've built an extremely large knowledge management system around the space, and we've been able to bring in you know a variety of talented um, lawyers uh, who can only add and, and share collective intelligence amongst the firm in this space. So um, it's uh, it's been 
no, it's been uh, it's been a very interesting way of going about it. And we also, you know, just playing onto that, you know, we also have an app on our website called the Renault Coda app, which allows us to, um, you know, you know, illustrates the other side of the bifurcation where folks can can just jump, grab an automated document and be able to uh, to um, to 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 receive it almost instantly and uh and and be on with their day so yeah i think that's that's kind of the general direction that i see the legal legal kind of industry going mm -hmm. yeah i i totally agree and um you know when we talk about like you know faster solutions like automating like more sort of like the boring like um you know standardized work um I understand that, you know, from like a law firm, a lawyer's perspective, like reducing your work, becoming more efficient, providing quicker solutions. But how is that in particular important for uh, startups or like smaller businesses that, you know, and how can it significantly help them cut down on costs? Yeah, like I think I think startups just want to get shit done. Right. Like. And. And I've seen it time and time again. It, it, it's actually just a hilarious experience when you think about it, where you have this startup who's, you know, he's in, he's in, or she's in like a, like a goal crushing mode, you know, like do this, get that, set this up, set this up. Right. And then they go to their lawyers and they're like, okay, I just need this, this, and this to get done. And next thing you know, their lawyer's like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you done this? Well, mm, this might not work. Mm. Have you thought of this like 1% risk chance that may actually never happen, but I'm going to say it because it makes me feel better about myself. Um, that's, and, and then you see their eyes kind of like glaze over and they're like, okay, well, why the fuck am I here? And, <laughs> and why am I doing this? Why am I even doing this project? You know, the, it, 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 it's almost, it's almost kind of, uh, again, I'm going to use this word disingenuous to the to the scope of law, right? Law is supposed to be there to actually facilitate business. We're supposed to be there to actually encourage business. The common common law and the economic reasons for the creation of common law are, you know, from a historical standpoint, you know, married to the hip. But now, you know, we've for some reason become a drag. We've become a drag on economic growth. Uh, you know, if, if, if we continue down this path of being overly pedantic when it's not necessary, um, you know, does, does the person, you know, I had a client come up to us and they said, we need a TOS. They had an extremely complex, you know, data collection system, right. In which uh, they were able to collect a variety of different data points and blah, blah, blah. And then they sell it back to the insurance companies, right. Uh, to be able to create a better insurance profile. And, you know, just saying that i'm sure all of you guys are like well there's a zillion issues there right uh regarding you know a variety of different legal problems um but they came up to us and they said we only want this because one of our insurers needs us to have tos with a limitation of liability i'm like guys there's a lot of work to be done here but for the purposes of your exact thing i'm just going to give you you know, the, uh, you know, the boilerplate with, you know, a stronger limitation of liability and, 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 and disclaim myself saying that there, there's going to be need, there's, there's a need for work here, but all you need is this particular thing. So client was happy. I'm happy. And, 
And, and yeah, I did have that inkling to go down and be like, well, you know, there's a million problems with what you're doing, but in reality, that's not really, that wasn't really the scope of what we, what was requested. As long as you kind of disclaim yourself from any future issues, you know, in writing, then, then, then who cares, right? Yeah, and that's a really interesting point you bring up about like streamlining, you know, how lawyers also communicate with their clients, because it is true, lawyers can be a little bit OCD about this is not going to happen, but I've done a lot of issue spotters throughout law school, so I have to say it, you know, because for that, like, like, I don't know, like, the way I sometimes think about it is, um, you know, it's that one extra point, you know, I don't know in my head, I just am so trained and used to just like saying those extra things so that that's really helpful to <laughs> yeah this way yeah like an example that i like to bring up is you know blockfi i don't know if you know but blockfi is essentially a cryptocurrency company in the united states that essentially allows you to generate interest off of your crypto deposits um you know they recently got a fine for a hundred million dollars from the sec right and and um and it was clear from day one, you know, anyone anyone who knew kind of securities law or, you know, the Bank Secrecy Act would be able to tell you that, you know, they're a deposit-taking institution and therefore have to abide by, by these regulations. And I'm sure if they spoke to a lawyer at the beginning, he would have been like, don't do this. Don't do this company. You know, you're breaking all these laws. But when you're making $8 billion in ARR, $100 million is just the cost of doing business. So, so you know... Don't be that lawyer who's telling, you know, a billion dollar company to, you know, tell them the risks. For sure, you have to tell them the risks, but but make sure you always mitigate those risks with, you know, if this is the cost of doing business for your industry, then go ahead. You know, I'm sure BlockFi will take a hundred million dollar, you know, penalty yearly if it means that they are able to generate the amount of, you know, amount of revenues that they can generate. So, so yeah, it's you know there there has to be these business considerations that are taken into account when giving legal advice, because I don't know how many ideas have been killed by a lawyer bringing up you know this like opaque, uh, you know opaque risk that 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 never materializes. Totally, yeah. Getting lawyers to think outside the box and like think in more sort of functional terms rather than like you know like the the rigid like you know like letter of the law. Uh, mindset that we're, we're, we're often like taught in law school like you know you think about it in like such a structured manner but to you know think about many other things it's a very interesting point um you know and like real, like legal tech and streamlining like uh, yeah you, you bring up a great point as well like it's our training our training sucks right like that's that's a whole that's the whole thing is like you know we've been trained we've been trained you know to be jurists so to speak i don't even know what a jurist is but like you know we were, we were trained you know we we're trained to be a jurist and 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 we apply ourselves as as you know then we go to law school i uh, go to write the bar and become lawyers and we we have that training like you said but that training really misses the whole point and that's like you know we're 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 conduits you know we're conduits for business transactions right you know we're supposed to allow the transaction to exist right? we're allowed we're supposed to allow the business venture to happen and 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 it goes down to the fact that lawyers are pretty crappy business people i'm sure all of you are pretty great but like you know just on a general standpoint and and 
and you know where where you know when are we going to start seeing these types of you know programs and curriculum in our law schools that allow you know lawyers to become a little bit more business savvy right to to understand business needs understand business scopes and and models and 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 and, and to be able to apply those principles in their practice i think that would be a huge value add yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, and uh, um, I, I also want to uh, just going off of that. Um, you know, um, I've, I've sort of, you know, had interactions with like, you know, tech people and like lawyers, and I want to hear about, you know, what you think about who is a little bit more, uh, you know, receptive to innovation. Are and you answered this a little bit earlier, but in your experience, are lawyers like they hear legal tech and they're just like no, you know, because uh, of the, some of the points like our training, the way we think, uh, and like our tech people a little bit more open to it. Like, oh, this is a new innovative solution. Like, we need to embrace it. What has been what has been your experience? Yeah. So, um, I you know I I I could I could talk for about an hour on this subject. So I'm gonna try to keep it as 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 straight to the point as possible. Um, on the lawyer side, I feel I feel like there is a there is a sweet there there has to be a certain profile of lawyer that is ready to accept a new way of doing law. Um, we have hired in our firm, you know, a couple of lawyers who, you know, for whatever reason, you know, had an extremely difficult time uh, with change, right? And were not able they were not able to actually change their um, their method of 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 practicing law which is unfortunate right because i think you know there is you know certain lawyers with a large amount of experience that would you know be very useful in a new practice however you know the the operational efficiencies that come about with you know turning the whole system around just to fit them system is very very difficult so you know i think i think for lawyers you know being being okay to being uncomfortable is going to be a really important part of your practice. You know, continuously being uncomfortable. Um, you know, philosophical points aside on that, you know, should be your status quo. You are technically always uncomfortable, right? So, uh, so it's okay to also push the boundaries uh, a little bit uh, in your practice, and and that allows you to at least able to try new things, implement them, experience them, and, and operate with them uh, in order to kind of improve things. Um, another, another problem on the client side is that I'm having is that most of the products are just not good enough, right? And what I mean not good enough is that they do not, they do not, they're not able to solve the variety of, of, kind of issues that appear through a client and lawyer or client and law firm relationship in a manner which is set to the standard of the consumer. And this is one thing that I like to say all the time is that, you know, law firms currently, your operational efficiencies are not being compared to other law, law firms or other lawyers. They're being compared to the Amazons and the Ubers of the world, Right. And it's freaking tough to be that operationally efficient, right? These guys dump a crap ton of money into making sure that calling an Uber is, is as seamless as hell. And it is seamless as hell. 
and 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 buying you know and buying a book off of Amazon is likewise. But how do you take that operational efficiency from two of the most largest companies out there and apply it to your practice, even in large firms who have the resources to be able to deploy for this? It's really, really hard. And in the legal tech space, we still haven't seen kind of, you know, uh, legal tech players, you know, big enough to be able to invest the correct amount of resources in this. Uh, You know, Clio, again, which many of you know, you know, falls short on a number of easy, easy stuff that could, you know, potentially be used uh, to enhance, enhance, you know, client offering. And it's partially not all their fault because there isn't a standard model for operating a law firm, right? There's law firms big and small. Um, different jurisdictions exert different things for, for lawyers. And, you know, just speaking from the United States and Canada, you got about 60 jurisdictions that you need to kind of mold to per jurisdiction. It's, it's, it's extremely tough. So, you know, I'm bitching and I'm not giving solutions, but it, it, it is, I do understand that, like, it's an extremely, extremely tough situation. So what you end up having is a bit of a disjointed um, client experience as well on the legal technology side, um, which is unideal, but um, is kind of the reality of, of, of the situation. And and building it yourself, you know, you know we've we've done that, and it's it's also it's also its own kind of road marred with a billion issues um most of which is that none of you guys have probably started a startup or a tech company and running a law firm and starting a tech company is near is near next to impossible uh (laughs) uh for for a variety of trust me i've tried (laughs) and 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 for a variety of reasons mostly it's because the the goals you know it, it boils down to the concepts of execution and management right you know, when you're when you're running a startup, you're managing, you're managing teams, you're managing people. When you're a lawyer, you're executing on legal work, right? Both of which are extremely time-consuming. Um, so being able to wear two hats, in that sense, creates a huge amount of resource suck. And if your resource is time on the law side, you know every you know every dollar that you invest in on the other side, on the product side is essentially a dual investment. Not only is it a dual investment in the time in which you're investing in. And I'm, I'm on a podcast. Okay, so, okay. so this table is just ours to use. And our, we work right there, and we can hear you. And you have a table in the back to use. This is actually on we, we rent the cottage with this table. Okay. We're allowed to use the pool if you want to sit over there, but this is off. I'll also take uh, some of this time to ask the audience, do you guys have any, any sort of questions? If you do, just post them in the, in the chat and uh, we can go from there. Or if you want to like maybe post like one line about um, you know how what um, you know your experience has been like with legal tech, either in your firm or or your work, or just how much legal tech you're using. You know you can like say like one word, a lot, a little, not at all. Uh, it's um, I'm using that because it's like from a children's rhyme, right? Like um, I think children have this rhyme, uh, like a lot, a little, not at all, uh, in a different context. But if uh, you all want to pick a lot. 
or a little or not at all with regards to how much legal tech you all use and just type that in the chat. Uh, that would be super cool. All right, guys, I think I pissed off my neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> That's what we, we just, need. We, we need like everyone to become more like you know open to tech and not kick out. Yeah, I think uh, so. We just uh, we just came to Bermuda for a conference and uh, and our uh, and I didn't know that that was uh, off limits. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, and I thought I thought we had access to uh, to that table. I guess we don't. Um, okay. Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, so I forget where I was, but uh... um, you're talking about just um, you know spreading your resources and like running a law firm and a tech company, it's sort of side by side and wearing multiple hats. Uh, yeah. So um, we, uh, yeah, essentially, essentially, it's quite tough, um, and uh, it's not. Uh, it's 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 obviously doable. Like anything's doable, but it's just you, you would have to structure it in a way to ensure that it's it's doable, right? Um, so, yeah. All that to say is is that the clients demand quite much, quite a bit, and we actually can't really meet what the clients are requesting. Um, so, uh, because of the high standard that's been set with a lot of these uh, SaaS companies. Um, I, th I think you're, you trailed off a little bit, but um, I, I, I get what you uh, I get what you mean. So I think like like the major themes like you know for like today's episodes could possibly be like you know getting things done. You know, being like lawyers as problem solvers, not like problem like not simply like you know communicators of those problems. And there was like a third thing uh, that you had said that I can't recall right now, like um, I have to look at my notes, but um, you had made a point about, um, you know, this being like reality and like the sooner like law firms, you know, start like, you know, jumping onto this and becoming a part of it, like the more, you know, sort of the competitive edge uh, could all get. And like, particularly for startups, like getting things done. Um, I guess it would be like our theme. Uh, and to, to wrap up very quickly, Jopik, I just want to ask you, um, you, you have been doing like, you know, digital real estate portfolios, your firm, I, I read a little bit about that. Can you talk very briefly about that? I just found that concept to be very, uh, intriguing. And then, and then we'll wrap up. Sorry, my, my digital, my digital asset portfolio. Yeah. Um, as in kind of the assets that the law firm has? Yeah, like, uh, like, you know, building your own digital real estate portfolio, like your law firm. Oh, right. With the metaverse. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I think that kind of comes down to, let me see if I'm set up here. Oh, hey everyone. Sorry about that again. Uh, this background is better. It's the, funnier. Yeah, so. yeah. The the Airbnb the Airbnb wasn't very clear. Um, so um, we we obviously this comes down to our like you know belief in blockchain and belief in um, in digital assets and and the strength of preservation of value uh, through digital assets, so to speak. Um, you know, tax. Tax issues aside, because there's, there's quite a bit of 
tax stuff that we can delve into, but I think I think that could be done at a different time. Um, we, you know, at the firm have taken the position that that fiat currency is kind of crappy and is a difficult method and is a difficult way to actually preserve long-term uh, value. I think most of you guys probably agree with that. That's not a very, uh, I would say, uh, contentious issue. Uh, you know, no one has, you know, no one has, you know, their life savings, or I hope you don't, you know, in a savings account, uh, because, you know, probably the returns at the moment are not actually surpassing the surpassing inflation, and you're actually probably net losing all that value over time. Um, so, in the law firm, you know, obviously building a digital asset portfolio, you know, in the metaverse, uh, in, in, in one in, in particular, you know, is extremely interesting for us because it allows us to exercise a comparative advantage uh, that we have vis-a-vis the market and able to actually invest um, in, in, in virtual real estate uh, to be able to preserve firm assets uh, in, the long, in the long term. So it's extremely exciting. Um, again, this is one of the benefits for us uh, as being a as an Inc. and not an LLP is that we're able to reinvest the funds, and we don't actually necessarily have to uh, quote unquote pay out pay out profits pay out profits you know on an on an annual basis. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's been an exciting time, and I think. Uh, I think again, any of the lawyers here that are, um, you know, running their own firm or running a small firm um, need to take those things into consideration. The practice of law is changing, and we're here for it. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of Rethinking Legal Ops. Follow us for more such insightful conversations about the transformative impact of legal tech. Also, follow Speed Legal and let us know in your comments and messages about how you leverage legal tech solutions to make your work more efficient. See you next time.